Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio. What is going on, everybody? It is Thursday, April the 27th. I think that's right. My days are a little bit off, but uh, kind of a stab in the dark there. I think I hit it on the nose. Marty Leap, Trey Entity, back with you to break down the last week in Pittsburgh Pirates baseball, to break down everything going on around these buckos. And uh, as we start the episode tonight, I have to apologize uh, for our podcast here. We were 1-0 while recording, while the Pirates were playing to start the season. It looked like we were uh, well on our way to a 2-0 record. Uh, but we put the jinx on. Got to apologize for that. Um, we had an emergency episode earlier in the week breaking down the Brian Reynolds contract situation. There was a lot of excitement throughout the episode, but uh, the Pirates, um, they fell in that game. It was uh, not the best eighth inning, and um, we're going to act like it didn't happen. But our apologies, everybody. We uh, appreciate you coming back and joining us tonight. Um, that was a low point. And uh, you said it, Marty, when we got off the episode. You made an excellent point. How good does it feel? And this is maybe a moral thing. I don't know. How good does it feel for a loss to sting? I mean, for this team to lose, and it means something. Um, the Pirates did fall in that game 8-7. to seven. Game one of the series. We are recording here on Wednesday night. The Pirates are in the bottom of the second inning. 0-0 now against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Not going to make a prediction. Not going um, to project what is going to happen in this game. But uh, we will... Recap this series on the other side of it as well. But let's uh, let's recap the past week here, Marty. Let's break down what is going on. Obviously, it has been one of the most exciting weeks, if not the most exciting week in Pirates baseball since, obviously, pre-COVID, um, you know, pre-regime takeover. The Pirates had their first winning month, the month of April 2023, since the month of May 2019. Uh, they got to the best, got to the best record in the National League. Um you know, for a moment there, I haven't even looked at the standings, to be honest with you, to start the day. Uh, but the Pirates <clears throat> still in, um, you know, excellent position as they begin, or as they get set to begin the month of May here. And as they continue on in this series, a four-game sweep of the Cincinnati Reds that uh, that followed a three-game sweep out there in Denver. Um, Marty, your favorite part from this past week? Great starts, obviously. The offense was unbelievable out there in Colorado. Maybe took a step back against Cincinnati, but they did enough to win and uh, got it where they needed. What was your favorite part from the seven-game win streak there? I think for me, it was just having fun baseball again. You know, it, it wasn't painful baseball to watch. You weren't watching it, just waiting for what was going to go wrong next. Um, it was fun, good, high-quality baseball. Um, you know, we, we talked about this. Not the last episode we did, but the, the episode prior to us coming on yesterday to talk about the Reynolds extension. Um, you know, this, in a lot of ways, what they're doing feels sustainable. 
and that's not me saying they're going to win 110 games and finish the best record in the National League, whatever that pace is they're on right now. But it feels sustainable in that they're pitching well, especially the starting rotation. Um, the the lineup looks deep. They're putting together quality at bats. They're not dinking and dunking and blooping and you know just finding grass and lucking their way to wins. It's not happy accidents anymore. They're going out. And yeah, it was the Reds and the Colorado Rockies, but bludgeoning the Rockies 33 to eight over three games or whatever it was, um, managing to sweep the Reds, even when your offense is struggling because the Reds are even worse. That's the kind of things good baseball teams do when you play bad baseball teams. And for so long, you know, the last four or five years, whatever it's been, we've seen the Pirates be on the other end of that. So just to be on the the, the positive side of that was nice. And even that loss against the Dodgers on Tuesday night, like you said, you and I joked about it. It's like, man, this sucks. This is a real gut punch. But I couldn't tell you the last time the Pirates had that big of a gut punch of a loss because, like, you know, you, you feel like that loss stings a little extra, not just because they blew a 7-2 to lead in the fifth inning at home, not just because they, you know, with five outs to go, still had a two-run lead. It hurts because, like, that game was there for the taking. The Pirates look like they might be a good baseball team. They might be a team that finds a way to hang around throughout the summer and maybe contend a little. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a step in the right direction. I think even after that, that extra inning loss against St. Louis a couple weeks ago on that Sunday when they could have taken three or four and had to split it, it was similar where, you know what, hey – a sign of progress from a baseball team is when you lose a game like that. And it really stings because you know, it was there for the taking. So uh, yeah, it's just, there's a lot of positives, but to me, what was most enjoyable about this stretch the last week and a half now, or whatever it's been, I mean, really going back to the start of that St. Louis series um, is just seeing the pirates do what good baseball teams do. They took that tough loss in St. Louis to finish that series and split it came back won seven in a row in which they just disposed of bad baseball teams. Um, and now a good test tonight. You know, the Dodgers, obviously a great team, a uh, team the Pirates should have beaten Tuesday night. And as we're watching it, it's nothing, nothing in the second inning. So let's see how they bounce back tonight. But yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of positives right now. And I mean, obviously the Reynolds extension too, but you know, we won't spend too much time on that tonight. If you want to hear what we have to say about that, go check out our, our previous episode. But yeah, just a lot, a lot of positives in the world of pirate baseball right now. I mean, the, the, the first winning month since May of 2019. Good Lord. That doesn't even seem possible, but yeah. Wow. It's, you know, it feels like we were talking about a lot of firsts last week. Longest winner, not even first, just bests. First since in some cases too, but you know, the longest winning streak since 2018, you know, uh, the most hits, the most home runs, the, the most quality starts, all these things have not, um, you know, been remotely close for the Pirates these last three seasons. And, uh, you know, it was just an exciting time. We got the City Connect jersey coming out at the end of the month of June. Uh, you know, we got a lot of fun stuff surrounding this team. Um, and they're winning baseball games, like you said. And and like you mentioned there, Marty, go check out our episode on the Reynolds extension um, from earlier in the week as well. And go check us out at rumbunter.com. Articles breaking all this stuff down, breaking down. That extension and, of course, um, you know what's going on with the team and in the minor leagues as well. We got an interview coming up later on in the episode to preview uh, the Pirates series with the Washington Nationals later this weekend. Excited to get into that. Let's talk about a few other news and notes. Um, you know, as we kind of started out here, Marty, 
G-Man Choi, we didn't really get to it a whole lot in the last episode. Obviously on the injured list right now. Um, you know, I think the Pirates missed this bat a decent bit. Uh, but you have guys that uh, have really stepped up here. And we're seeing contributions from everybody on this roster. When G-Man Choi returns, what is the outlook in your opinion? Where does G-Man Choi fit into this? Yeah, I mean, I, it'll be interesting when, whenever Choi returns. I have no idea when that's going to be. He's on the 60-day injured list, so it's going to be a while. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where he's going to fit in. I think a lot of it's going to depend on where this team's at, too. When that happens, if they're still contending, um, if they're not still contending, you know, who's healthy, who's not. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's a it's a bat you miss. And it's not that he was an everyday guy for you necessarily. He wasn't playing a huge role, but he's a good veteran bat to have. He's always going to give you a quality professional at bat. Um, and, you know, he was. it seemed like he was starting to come around a little bit before he got injured there. So uh, you miss him in, in essence that it kind of – it takes some length out of your lineup on days. Um, it weakens the bench. Um, you know, we, we see – now on the bench, we get to have 33-year-old career utility men who've never played in the majors before um, instead of G-Man Choi. But, uh, yeah, it, it's I think when, when Choi returns, a lot of it's going to hinge on where this team's at contention-wise, who's playing well, who's not injuries. I mean, Carlos Santana could go out there next half inning playing first base and get hurt and you know, open up a spot for Choi when he's back. You don't know. But um, – yeah, I, I think whenever Troy returns, a lot of that's just going to hinge on what else is going on with the team. And what a damn miracle Carlos Santana is not hurt. After that St. Louis series, it felt like he took yeah, 10 balls off the chest. Yeah, they in that series, it felt like. Ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, and it's crazy to look back too, Marty, at, at the offseason. And G-Man Choi is one of the first moves they made. And, um, you know, it was one of the first big names, I guess, out of this group that they brought in. And it was kind of like, wow, this is going to be – you know, really steady major league bat. This is a guy that's going to kind of anchor the lineup a little bit. Interesting to look at it now, you know, to think that he really didn't make that much of an impact with this team. Super slow start and a very short sample size. And like you said, started to heat up there uh, before the injury. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting with, with G-Man Choi to see how he kind of fits in there. I heard, uh, heard that in your voice there, Marty. You might be the only baseball fan in America that is not excited for Drew Maggi to... Uh, to be, to be a part of the big league club right now still has not made an appearance. Um, your thoughts as uh, that news kind of broke this weekend. I mean, I, I at least know from the world of Twitter, I'm not the only baseball fan who's not excited about Jumanji being on the raw. I mean, look, I get it. It's a it's great a story. story. The guy turns 34 next month. He was drafted whenever I was still in high school and before my kids were even born. And, and keep in mind, I have a 13 year old, and, and he was drafted before he was born. And but he's never played in the majors for a reason. Like <laughs> this, this isn't T ball. This isn't the feel good story time. Like you're, you should be trying to win baseball games. When Brian Reynolds went on the bereavement list and he was brought up, I didn't have an issue with it. Indi Indianapolis was in Memphis. The curve were at home. You weren't going to get someone here from Memphis by first pitch. You were going to get someone here from Altoona by first pitch. There aren't a lot of other options in Altoona outside of maybe Lavero Paguero. We want Paguero playing every day. I understood it. But now that Reynolds has returned, continuing to have him on this roster just makes absolutely zero sense to me. And today you had to make a 40-man roster spot for Cody Bolton 
and to, to designate Tyler Heineman for assignment. So now you don't have a third catcher on your 40 man roster so that you can try and get a dude his first major league at bat. Like, I don't know. It just, it drives me nuts. It, this isn't, if this team was, you know, if it was the pirates of the last four years were at the end of April, it was already clear. This season was going South in a hurry, whatever. But it's one of those things. Are they eventually going to fall out of this? Is the bottom going to fall out? It might, but until that happens, you have to act like you're a contending baseball team. It's April 20. I get it's only April 26th, but as we said here, it's 7.07 p.m. Eastern time on April 26th. The Pittsburgh Pirates have the best record in the National League. You need to act like it. Until you fall out of it, you need to act like you're a contender. And this isn't what contending teams do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't have a problem with Smith and Jigba going down either. Let him get everyday reps. But give me Travis Swagger. Give me, honestly, I'd probably go Miguel Andujar at this point. He's hitting the ball well at AAA. Andujar probably doesn't have a lot of development left. He is what he is at this point. So if he's only playing once or twice a week against lefties, it's not really going to stunt his growth or something. But I don't know. And you mentioned this beforehand. Whenever he gets into a game and he gets a hit, if he's sent down after that, I'm just going to be even more ticked off about this whole situation. Um, I don't know. Just hopefully they keep winning baseball games and I can sit here and just yell into the void and it doesn't matter. But yeah, it, it drives me nuts the way they're handling the roster situation with that right now. Well, you know, and I think at this point it's like, yeah, it, it's let's get over this, guys. I think on Sunday, you know, Sunday morning when it broke, it was kind of like, yeah, all right. Well, they, they needed to do something there. It makes a little bit of sense. And, you know, I think we all hoped that it would be nine to nothing Pirates in the fourth inning and you could just get him in at bats and then, you know, whatever happens. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a two to nothing game. And uh, obviously last night looked like it could have been a laugher. Pirates lost that game. So it just, it hasn't been right quite yet. Um, interested to see what they do here. Uh, and I'm with you. I think at this point, Miguel Andujar, maybe Travis Spiegerty, but, you know, I think try your luck with Miguel Andujar. You know what he is. Um, and go from there. But, uh, yeah, the Pirates trying to uh, garner some, um, I don't know, respect from the rest of the baseball world, or at least a little bit of uh, feel good um, here as they creep through the month of April. But Drew Maggi still, uh, the time of this recording, no major league appearance. Um, the Pirates right now uh, in the third inning, I believe, Ronzi Contreras uh, just rolling at this point in the game. So just excited to see kind of what we get out of the rest of, um, you know, the month of April here. The starts have been incredible this last week. And I think it's, you know, it's funny to look at it, Marty. Rich Hill, one inning in Cincinnati. Since then, I mean, this is, you know, this is a guy that looks like uh, – like vintage, and we've seen it his whole career. Obviously, injuries have plagued him a bit, but um, you know, if you can get these starts out of Rich Hill, out of Vince Velazquez that we've seen the last week, Pirates can win a lot of games. They came against the Reds, they came against the Rockies, but um, you know, these guys look good. Outside of those two, you know, the top three here, Marty, you obviously have your core of the future with this staff, and uh, you know, it just continues to look like they're gaining confidence. Last night, um, you know, Johan Oviedo kept pounding it. You know, he was not intimidated. He was not trying to, you know, do anything cute with a 7-2 to lead. Maybe it cost the Pirates here or there, but you like to see that kind of stuff. You like to see him stay aggressive against a good lineup. Um, you know, and this Dodgers team is not the Dodgers team that we've seen the last few years. This is not the World Series winning Dodgers. They've taken a step back, no doubt. I think you, you look at the staff. Um, Gonsolin back tonight, but 
Um, you know, this is a different kind of Dodgers team. I think the consensus is kind of like, well, hey, this is the this is the team that might bring the Pirates back down to earth a little bit. Um, but, you know, as we look at the rest of the series here, what are you most excited for? And uh, what do you want to see? Winning and losing, I think, um, you know, is obviously easy. Go win the game, whatever it takes. But but what are you looking at most closely here as the Pirates get uh, a bit more of a test against Los Angeles? Well, I mean, first and foremost, what I want to see tonight specifically, and so obviously by the time you listen to this, we'll know if we got our answer here or not. I want to see them pound, bounce back. You were absolutely punched in the mouth and kicked in the stomach on your way down last night, the way that game ended. How do you respond to that as a young team? And you mentioned the starting pitching. I want to see what they do. Um, Rowanzi Contreras looks really good through three innings tonight. Mitch Keller tomorrow. If those two, I mean, Oviedo last night pitched so much better than his final line. Um, He was in cruise control in innings two through five. He nearly had an immaculate inning. He had a nine. He got struck the first two guys out on three pitches each. Got o two in the third batter, and he popped it out to end the inning. So it was a nine pitch inning, and it was damn near an immaculate inning. Um, and then in the sixth inning, I loved what he did. I loved what Derek Shelton did. Hey, it's seven to two. I'm leaving you out there. Go throw strikes, even get out of this. That's how you build confidence, young guys. Um, saw something similar with Jose Hernandez in the seventh inning. Hey, you're up by two. You're the lefty. You're the roll five guy. Go get him. And he's retired the Dodgers in order with two strikeouts. And it was the top of the lineup. It was Freddie Freeman. It was Jason Hayward. It was guys who've done a lot in their major league career. Um, so I want to see what Rowe and Keller can do. I want to see what this bullpen can do. Um, the, the bullpen, definitely probably my biggest concern right now. Um, it was coming into the year. They've pitched well so far, but there's a lot of question marks there. And, you know, you mentioned Rich Hill, and I know Rich Hill won't pitch again this weekend against Washington. But after that first inning in Cincinnati, I feel like about 95% of Pirates Twitter was ready to give up on Rich Hill. Well, since that inning, he has a 396 ERA, um, which is what Rich Hill has done his entire career. So for as poor as his first inning of the year was, he's done what veterans do. He's settled in, and he's starting to get into a groove. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to watch the starting pitching a lot here these next two days against the Dodgers. Um, honestly, it's the Los Angeles Dodgers. Even though it's a PNC Park, you're going to be happy if you can win one of these three games. Um, if you only win one of these next two, you're probably kicking yourself a little bit over what could have been with a series victory. But ultimately, if you're the Pirates, even if you get swept, which you, don't, you obviously don't want to get swept, but even if you get swept, you are looking at going to Washington this weekend to play one of the worst teams in the National League while owning a 16-10 and 10 record. Nobody, nobody would have predicted that at this point. So I think some of that's got to be some of that perspective you got to keep in mind here too. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this, this has been a magical start for a lot of different reasons. But in the win-loss column, like you said, nobody saw this coming. Um, you know, and, and if you can get one here, if you can somehow find a way to win the series after what we saw last night, you feel over the moon. Um, and this group, I, you know, the makeup of this group is uh, is so selfless. And I think this is the kind of group that really does bounce back well in these kinds of situations. You got to hope they uh, they do. Jason Delight hit party continues here in the third inning. Um, you know, Marty, the bullpen, like you said, was the biggest question mark coming into the season. And, uh, you know, there are still some question marks. But I think, you know, you look at the back end of it. <clears throat> excuse me. And we talked about it kind of as we wrapped up last night. If they could get to the eighth inning with the lead. 
he felt pretty good, you know, with the way Holderman's been. Obviously, David Bednar, one of the best closers uh, in the National League. We felt good about that. Um, you know, just an unfortunate turn there. You cannot walk a, uh, a, a guy making his debut <laughs> with one out in the eighth inning. You just can't do it. Um, and obviously, you know, a home run was pulled back in the, I think it was the seventh inning with Swinsky's Rob. Um, but at the same time, that I think was the key mistake. Three errors last night, but you cannot walk a guy in his major league debut in that situation. And, uh, you know, of all guys, Chris Taylor, <laughs> the one to go deep in the deepest part of the ballpark to beat you there. Just a frustrating uh, turn of events. Um, but, you know, and we're going to have our guy Shaq on, part of the fan-sided network there, one of the hosts of uh, Half Street High Podcast, the D.C. Uh, Nationals podcast. We're excited to preview this series. But, um, you know, as the Pirates get uh, wrapped up, into this weekend with the Nationals, um, you know, you look to get back on track here, of course, against Los Angeles, but you have a big opportunity against D.C. this weekend against a, you know, very young ball club with everything that's gone down there the last few years. Um, you know, as we kind of uh, wrap it up here before we get to the interview, Marty, what are you most excited about as the month closes um, and any kind of minor league updates you got? I know we got a lot of coverage out on our website right now, but, um, you know, which guys are you watching closely down there? in the minors. Yeah. One thing I want to touch on the minor leagues. Um, if you're looking to get some minor league coverage recap, I mean, obviously we're going to have a lot of minor league coverage. We always do, but every night we try to get a, a daily recap out there of what happened at each level. Um, Bubba Chandler, there, there's a good shot. Bubba Chandler is going to be a top 100 prospect by the end of this year. Um, turned in his best start of the season so far on Wednesday, went five scoreless for high Greensboro struck out nine. Um, Chandler was one of the uh, real, kind of bonus babies, if that's what you want to call them from that 2021 draft class, there was going to be signability issues. I mean, he's probably a top 10 talent in that draft, but was committed to play quarterback at Clemson. Um, and that created signability issue, but the Pirates were able to get it done. So wanted to keep an eye on and also Greensboro out of last year's draft class, someone nobody is talking about, but reliever Cy Nielsen, who they drafted out of BYU is up to nine and two thirds scoreless innings pitch this year with 14 strikeouts. So definitely something to watch for the bullpen. And, uh, I, I know we touched on him briefly last night, but don't, don't. It's crazy to think the guy who was drafted number one overall less than two years ago is kind of in this boat, but don't forget about or sleep on Henry Davis. Like he is killing the ball at double A Altoona. I don't think he's going to beat Altoona long. Um, yeah, Davis is probably going to be on this roster in some fashion by this summer. So just keep an eye on him down there and, uh, yeah, other than that, you know, Luis Ortiz pitching really well at AAA. We're going to see him at some point this year. You, you know, whenever the Pirates need starting pitching help, someone gets hurt, whatever it is, Ortiz is going to be the guy. So something to keep an eye on there as well. But, um, yeah, those are just some of the some of the real early season successes down in the minor leagues. Yeah, and, you know, you look back to, I think it was game two that Velasquez started against uh, Colorado. Really tough start. I think it was three to nothing Rockies. And it was kind of like, man. You want the best for Vince Velasquez. You want him to turn around, as he has since then, um, in his next start. But it's like, man, you know, why don't we just try it out with Luis Ortiz? Let's just go ahead and see it. Um, but we are going to get to see that at some point. Um, and, and, guys, like I said, go check out our minor league coverage on rumbutter.com there as well. A lot going on uh, with Chandler, like you mentioned, Davis, Ortiz, all those guys. Go check it out. And follow us on Twitter as well, at rumbunter. When you get the chance, um, and Will Crow, another little news note here before we get out uh, and get to our interview, is on the IL as well. What is the stint there, Marty? 10-day IL? Yeah, shoulder fatigue. Um, 
you know, probably part of the reason why we hadn't seen Crow pitch in almost a week now. Uh, might be part of the reason why when we had seen him pitch this year, he'd struggled. You don't know. Might have just struggled because he's Will Crow, and that's what he does. But, um, yeah, no, Crow on the injured list. Cody Bolton up to replace him. Really excited to see Bolton. He's got to pitch really well at AAA this year. Um, he was a dude who, going into 2019, was arguably the top starting pitching prospect in the farm system. Had a meniscus tear. There was the COVID year. Uh, a lot went sideways for him for a while, but he's went into the bullpen, has overhauled his delivery, um, has changed up some of his pitching grips, and it seems to really be making a difference for him. Was pitching extremely well out of Indianapolis's bullpen. So I, I think you could see Bolton. You know, it's going to be exciting to see what he can do. Let's put it that way. Cause I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that at the end of the year, you look at Bolton as a guy who maybe emerges as a long term building block in this major league bullpen. Um, he was one of like three or four relief pitching prospects that coming into the year, I was excited to see what they could do in the majors. So he's here now. And, you know, Derek Shelton, to his credit, has shown he is not afraid to throw guys into the fire coming out of the bullpen, which I love. Because that's how guys are going to learn. That's how they're going to build confidence. And that's how you're going to learn what you have in them. So I have no doubts he won't be afraid to with Bolton also. So, uh, yeah, excited to see what Cody Bolton can do whenever he does get out there. And, hey, by the time you listen to this, he may have already made his major league debut, depending on where Wednesday night games go. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Contreras still rolling here one out of fourth inning. So maybe uh, maybe Rogue goes the distance. But, no. Hopefully we get to see him here quite soon. Uh, Tyler Heineman is the scallywag that was cast overboard in all of this, and um, we thank him for his time in Pittsburgh. But Marty, let's get to this interview here. Uh, excited to catch up and preview the series, Pittsburgh Pirates and Washington Nationals. So uh, without further ado, let's get to our guy, Shaq. We are now joined by Ryan Lore of the Half Street High Heat Podcast, part of our fan-sided family here, that podcast. Uh, I remember the district on deck. DC um, Network there, they cover the Washington Nationals so well. Ryan does an excellent job covering the team, writing, and, of course, on the podcast as well. Excited to, to have you on tonight, Ryan, to kind of preview the series we got coming up this weekend, Pirates and Nationals. Uh, Going to dive into, you know, kind of how things have gone so far this season for DC. I want your thoughts on, you know, everything that's happened really the last few seasons. Um, you know, of course, with some of the blockbusters and everything that has gone on. You guys are... Uh, you might have some sympathy with us now. The Pirates have not been one of the better teams in the National League the last few years. They're off to a hot start. But, you know, we have, uh, we've been in the basement. The Nationals kind of finding themselves, unfortunately, uh, in that realm as well this season. Um, you know, as we get into it here, Ryan, I want to know how you're doing, man, and uh, just kind of your general thoughts to get us started on, um, on the Nationals so far this year. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Great talking to you all, and... I think still the best record in the NL for the Pirates. So, I mean, things are things are pretty good for you guys. Yeah, you know, the, the Nats aren't good. They won 55 games last year. A lot of failures, a lot of ignorance led them to the point for trading Juan Soto. You know, you got bad player development, lack of analytics. You kind of get yourself a pretty fun ride for a rebuild. Surprisingly, actually seen a couple guys take some steps forward. So, like, the Nats are rather bad this year. They're going to be bad the entire season, but they haven't been as bad as I was expecting. And that's mainly because of Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, and Kiber Ruiz. Uh, Gore is currently pitching against the Mets. He's absolutely dominating right now. Gray pitched against the Mets as well. Struck out nine, five shutout innings. Huge for both of them. That's absolutely exciting to see. Ruiz batting 290 with a 780 OPS for a catcher. 
that's rather fun. The rest of the roster, it's not so fun. But those three kind of have vibes a little well right now. And then at that time when they're not good, need good vibes. No doubt, man. And you, you hit it on the nose there. I mean, it's uh, it is not a, a great state of baseball right now for DC. But you guys have exciting young players, and um, you know we kind of look back to 2019 that summer. Um, you know the Pirates uh, had a guy to deal that we will not mention, uh, a lefty reliever. But we were interested in, in Kiber Ruiz and guys like that. You now have a lot of those exciting young players on your team. Um, you know, as we kind of get into it with the Juan Soto deal, I think that's been the, one of the most interesting headlines, even with all the losing, kind of how this has unfolded. Juan Soto has, uh, you know, has been less than stellar in San Diego, and um, you guys got a haul. And I think at the time we kind of thought there was nothing that was going to necessarily equal Juan Soto. Obviously now, you know, you feel pretty good about the deal. Who's been your favorite prospect? And, um, you know, I guess what are you looking forward to most as these guys start to come into their own a little bit here? Yeah, I mean that <laughs> that was a that was a gut punch when that notification went through. We we had some people on the podcast who covered the team and they were hinting at it that that deal was coming. It still didn't really prepare them and I thought they got fleeced right away, but two guys that stand out to me for the deal, James Wood and Mackenzie Gore. I was very excited when they got Gore. I thought he had ace potential. He has a plus fastball and a plus curveball. His slider is a little average, maybe slightly below, but his stuff is good, and I was so excited to see him. You know, he pitched for the Padres a little bit, but then he missed the rest of the year and got hurt. But the stuff was there. You know, he's great at the 60 fastball, a 50 slider. His command is a little wild at times, but when you looked at his pitch repertoire, you saw the speed on the fastball and the late life that he gets with it. I was pretty excited with it. My only concern was that the player development here isn't exactly good, so I didn't know if they were going to be able to help him hone in that command issues he has. He still has them, but he helped, you know, this team helped shape his fastball in the offseason. And so he now pitches to get guys looking in his fastball. He gets a very high strike looking percentage on it, which is very exciting to see. Fastball is good, touches 98, walks are an issue. But as he pitches and as he gets more developed and more fine-tuned, that's very exciting. And I do think he can be a number two guy, which is kind of funny. You're saying, well, why are you so excited about a two guy? This, this team has had a prospect that's been better than a five for a pitcher and I don't know since they drafted Steven Strasburg. So very excited about that. And then James Wood is, to me, he was the big, big haul of that trade. Love his tools. He's 6'7". He's absolute freak. He's got plus speed, great power, great bat-the-ball skills. And I think he has a lot, lot of potential in him, and he can be a potential superstar. I saw an article from Baseball Prospectus said that he's either going to be a Hall of Famer or a bust. So that's a pretty good you know, Jason Dominguez comparison that we've seen from media members. But I'm very, very excited about him. He, like a couple of the other guys that they got in the deal, does have swing and miss issues. But his raw tools are just so, so good that I do think James Wood and Mackenzie Gore are going to be the reason why that people don't think the Nats lost a trade. No doubt. And, you know, this is, a, <clears throat> this is a time where I think you just get excited about some of the little things, not even necessarily win-loss. 
Uh, it's kind of how we've looked at this Pirates squad the last few seasons. Uh, and Marty, I think you're ahead of me again tonight on this broadcast. As we record here on Wednesday night, it's 3 nothing. bottom of the seventh. I saw a fist pump there. Uh, it's a little bloop, fell in again. We needed seven uh, – I guess we needed nine runs to win last night. Um, still blanking the Dodgers at this point. So let's hope we hold on. We already jinxed yesterday's game. Um, you know, Marty, as we kind of look at this D.C. team – uh, you know, what has been your favorite part of this? And uh, as we kind of get into it here, guys, um, you know, let's talk about what this series is going to look like uh, as we begin it here. Marty, you take it away. Yeah, you know, one thing, if you look at it from the Pirate perspective, this series, I think what you're going to be looking at is going to be the starting pitching. I mean, you got Rich Hill and, and Vince Velasquez going the first two games. Um, you know, Trey, we touched on Hill earlier in the episode. He had a really bad first inning of the season against the Reds, and 95% of Pirates Twitter wrote him off since then. He has a 3.96 ERA, which is Rich Hill. Um, Vince Velasquez right now is currently in the process of putting together one of the best two or three start stretches in his major league career, which, I mean, I realize that's not a big sample size, but with Vince Velasquez, you have pretty low expectations. So, I mean, obviously he's a guy you saw a lot of in the National League East for a long time. Um and then Johan Oviedo on Sunday, and Oviedo has really started to emerge as a potential top of the rotation kind of guy for the Pirates this season. Um, so yeah, and and you know some of those young players from the Nats too. I mean, Kyber Ruiz, you and I have talked about him. I loved Kyber Ruiz whenever there was trade talks between the Pirates and the Dodgers. Rather, it was Brian Reynolds or you know that certain left-handed relief pitcher who we shall not name. Um, Ruiz was a guy who I loved. Uh, Josiah Gray, a guy who I loved. Um, Josiah Gray also doing some big things for me in fantasy baseball so far this season. So if the Pirates are going to lose a game in D.C., hopefully it's because of Josiah Gray. I can live with that if it's going to help out the fantasy team. But, um, yeah, the pitching is what I'm going to be interested to see on on, on both ends because I'm excited to see Josiah Gray in this series. I'm excited. I mean, obviously the Pirates won't see Mackenzie Gore, which is not the end of the world. But um, from the Pirates' standpoint, I'm I'm curious to see Can Rich Hill – continue what would be, I think, what is fourth or fifth strong start in a row. Can Velasquez make it four, three or four straight strong starts? And can Oviedo just continue to look like a, a budding potential ace in the, in, in, in the rotation? Yeah, Ryan, I, I don't know how much you've, uh, you know, you've followed what has been an amazing start so far, but um, you know, there's been a lot of nice surprises within this, uh, within this Pirates group. Um, you know, and I think early on in the season, you get surprises. Hopefully that, uh, th- this team can keep it up for at least a little bit longer here. And somehow Marty, I don't think we're going to get a run out of the seventh inning, even though they load the bases with less than two outs yet again in this ball game. But Ryan, what are you looking forward to most, uh, in this series? Obviously, um, you know, a chance for the nationals to uh, potentially keep rolling another up two to one right now in the Mets. And I'm going to try my hardest not to jinx, jinx you guys along with it. And I said that, I think I jinxed that uh, reverse jinx here. Marty is. Two run single there. It's going to make it five to nothing. Bucks. The the the, the real Rudy. The, the real Rudy <laughs> in sports. There we go. Uh, but but Ryan, you know, as you look at the Pirates team and um, you know, kind of preview the series a little bit, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, you talk about reverse jinx. I'm probably the biggest jinx I know. So I know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Exactly what you're talking about. But I'm excited to watch the Pirates. I, I like the Pirates. I've done them as a franchise and it'll be the show a couple of times. Don't like the Nutting family, but I don't think I'm alone there. Pirates have a lot of very exciting guys that I'm rather excited to see. I do think Rich Hill continues his hot streak. The Nats lineup is not very good. Uh, Vince Velasquez, again, probably going to continue it. This lineup stinks. Those guys are going to be interesting to see. I'm a little bummed. O'Neill Cruz is hurt. Absolutely love him. All in on him. I think he's going to be an absolute star. I love his tools. But as we all know, he did get hurt. But this lineup is just fascinating to me it looks like they just have great vibes all around and they got guys big fan of brian reynolds absolutely loved him a little 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 hurt that he signed that extension i was i was rooting for him to hit free agency not that the nats would sign him they're currently acting broker than everyone but i had hope that he was going to reynolds is one of the best well he plays left field excuse me one of the best outfielders in the league very excited to see him and i also big Big Key Brian Hayes fan. I think he is massively underrated. I think he deserved a gold glove last year over Arenado. I don't even think he was in top three, which is an absolute sham. So those two at the top lineup are going to be great. Everyone loves McCutcheon. Just that top three is going to be fun. And just seeing another young team that's just at a different step than the Nats are. They are at towards the tail end of the rebuild. Seeing that's going to be pretty cool. Like, hey, you know, maybe in five to seven years, that's the path I think the Nats are on. This might be us. You know, we we might be having that surprise run to start the year and starting to build things together and slowly start to become that contender. And it's always exciting when you see those type of teams start hot. And I'm excited because I do like a lot of the Pirates players. So it's going to be a pretty fun weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's safe to say that uh, you you can join the club on the list of people who are disappointed that O'Neill Cruz is going to miss an extended period of time. Um, but no, I mean, you mentioned this pirate lineup, and there are a lot of young hitters who one thing I talked about a lot in the offseason was this was going to be a season of opportunity for young hitters, and a lot of these young hitters have seized it. Um, no hitter more so than Rodolfo Castro, who is filling in for Cruz at shortstop, who just came through with the big uh, two-run single to hopefully knock on wood, put this game on ice for the Pirates. Um, you didn't knock last night, Marty. I'm going to I knocked tonight. Actually, it's, all, it's all good. I knocked tonight. But, um, yeah, Castro, after picking up that hit, his OPS on the year is about 800. His WRC plus is over 120. Um, you know, he, he is just seizing that opportunity to shortstop. Excuse me, and probably cementing himself as the long-term second baseman once Cruz is back. Um, Jiwon Bay, who's playing all over the field with elite speed, doing a lot of good things for the Pirates. You're, you're just seeing a lot of young guys who have been given opportunities step up and seize those opportunities, and that's always fun to watch. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if one thing to watch for with the Pirates, I would tell opposing fans, you're going to see a lot of young guys, Rodolfo Castro, Jiwon Bay, Tucapita Marcano, are ones who come to mind. Connor Joe, not necessarily a young guy, but giving opportunity to play every day for the first time in his career and seizing it. A lot of guys who 
opportunity knocked at the door and a lot of these guys are kicking the door down. And that's a big reason why the, as we said here on Wednesday, April the 26th, the pirates have the best record in the national league. It's because of young guys being given an opportunity and seizing it. And, you know, that's <clears throat> this, this group is it's such an interesting makeup because uh, you know, this off season, they did add so many veterans to kind of come in here. Um, interesting interview tonight Ben Sherrington on, uh, on the broadcast for a little bit. Um, you know, and Matt Capps kind of talked about how it's so important for these veterans to kind of get back to the game. I think we're seeing a lot of that this year. Um, and we'll see how this plays out. Like I said, you know, it's April. It's uh, there's a lot of time for this to um, for the wheels to fall off the wagon here. But, you know, as we continue to preview this series, Ryan, what is uh, you know, what is something Pirates fans need to look out for this weekend? What is something about the Nationals that, um, you know, makes them unique this year that uh, that you would want a Pirates fan to know going into the series? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. It's pretty funny because the Nats' strength right now is their bullpen. And in all of their continuing years, the thing that always killed them was their bullpen. They had this bullpen when they were contending. They probably won more than one ring. And a lot of that is because of Mason Thompson. Uh, he's gotten 18.2 innings. He's a .59 whip and a 0.96 ERA. I believe that is first amongst relievers. Mason Thompson, Hunter Harvey are rather electric. Great arms that the Nats use in the bullpen. Both bring the heat. Mason Thompson has a disgusting sinker that's giving guys a lot of issues throughout the year. And more importantly, Mason Thompson hasn't given up a hit on his fastball yet this season. And he's gone 18 innings. He's been used in a multi-inning role quite often, which is rather interesting. And with the multi inning role that's important to bring up because the Nats are going to be pitching Chad Cole and Patrick Corbin, neither of which are rather good. I don't we, like Bash. We, we know the Chad Cole experience very well here. <laughs> on that one. I am I'm looking at his baseball savant page right now and I hate looking at baseball savant out of context, but there is not any red on his baseball savant except extension. He's in the 74th percentile in extension. Everything else, he's bad in. And I hate bashing him because he wouldn't be here if Cavalli didn't get hurt. But, oh, my God, he's so bad. He has almost a two-whip and a 7-3-6 ERA. He's going to get lit up. I'm going to be surprised if he makes it past the fourth inning. So expect to see a lot of Mason Thompson and Hunter Harvey this weekend. Again, with Patrick Corbin, he's been the worst pitcher in baseball since 2020 by a full run. Although, back-to-back quality starts. So he's he's on a little bit of a heater right now. He has two quality starts on the year. I think he had four quality starts all of last year. His year race sub-six. Hasn't been there since 2020, early 2020. So, I don't know. Maybe Patrick Corbin's back. He's not. But with those two starting the first two games, they're going to see a lot of the bullpen. Mason Thompson, Hunter Harvey, Javi Harris, those guys are going to get a lot of work, and they're the big reason why the bullpen is 13th in the array, 9th in whip. They don't strike out a ton of guys, but they don't get hit hard either. And the infield defense, besides C.J. Abrams right now, is rather solid. So that's going to be something to watch out for. And potentially the deciding factor in the series is with the two worst Nats pitchers going, if they get to them early, how will that bullpen go throughout the rest of the series, and can they get to the bullpen? Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, it's an interesting 
bullpen. It's an interesting makeup this year, and we highlighted some of those youngsters a little bit earlier there. C.J. Abrams, another guy you just mentioned, uh, you know, another guy to get excited about. And with everything that's happened, um, you kind of hinted at it. You know, there was a lot of discourse, and there was some, um, you know, less than ideal moves made by the front office there. But, uh, you know, what what do you think was the worst of it all? Or I guess what would you want to see – this front office do differently first and foremost here? Because we can relate, you know, we're pretty high on them right now, obviously after yesterday, the Reynolds deal and, um, you know, just the way everybody's talking at the moment. But, um, you know, what would you want your front office to start doing differently now? (laughs) Uh, If I had a time machine, I would go back in time and just smack sense into this front office so they actually develop an analytics. When they were contending, it was a lot. They were sorry. Excuse me. They're buyers at every single deadline except one. They're trading for guys in the off season. A lot was coming out of the farm system, but nothing was coming in, and that was the most frustrating part. And a lot of that is on Mike Rizzo, but also the learners. They didn't want to invest in analytics. They didn't want to even acknowledge analytics, which led to them not wanting to invest in the player development program. They also stopped investing in scouting. So you had a team that was bad at professional scouting, bad at minor league scouting, bad at college scouting. You know, they're bad at identifying talent. They haven't had a good draft pick since Anthony Rendon. And they just had prospects. They didn't know what to do with them. From 2012 to 2019, their best draft pick was Andrew Stevenson, and he had a 0.5 war over five years with the Nats. And they got away with it because of the rosters they had. They got very lucky with Bryce Harper coming up, Anthony Radon, the Trey Turner trade, Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, Juan Soto. They had great rosters, so they didn't need to, but now they're about 10 years behind in analytics and development, which stinks, and also kind of makes you not too, <laughs> not too excited about the rebuild and doesn't give you a lot of hope because you look at these young guys – a lot of them are raw. C.J. Abrams, he's not ready. Like, it is very, very obvious watching C.J. Abrams. He is not ready for the major league level. He would be in AAA, but really doesn't matter on this team. He makes a lot of the same mistakes that guys like Luis Garcia, who I am high on, you know, Kieber Ruiz, they just free swing. No one really coaches it. And if you look at the minors, they have a lot of swing and miss issues. No one's really coaching it. So the one thing would just be to change about this team is first of all get a new front office i can't stand anyone in the front office but just get them to invest in player development and analytics so we can actually see positive strides with all the young guys on this team yeah no i hear it and it's uh it's an issue and it's a question that's so broad i think there um but you know it is it is something that uh they, they do need to definitely, um, you know, get the wheels turning step by step here and at least start with the investment, like you said. Uh, didn't pay Anthony Rendon, which obviously has worked out extremely well here um, in these trades, you know, at least have had high return. But uh, like you said, 55 wins last year, not an ideal start to this season, um, but we knew what it was going to look like. And, uh, you know, at this point, I think you can only hope that um, it's night to night you get. Certain little wins within the game, if nothing else. Uh, Josh Bell is a guy that we can all relate on here. 2019 was a weird year for the Pirates. It, um, you know, it had its ups, it had its downs, but Josh Bell was the highlight of that season. 
throughout the entire year. And, you know, the first half of the season looked like uh, a potential MVP candidate. He was a national uh, after he was in Pittsburgh. And um, we could talk about that trade. We've talked about that trade on here in the past. But, uh, you know, Ryan, I think um, from what I've heard, you have a little bit of animosity against what D.C. has done uh, with Josh Bell and, um, you know, what kind of uh, they've done since then to replace him. I know Jose Meneses is not one of your favorite players <laughs> in baseball. Um, but, you know, as we kind of reflect on uh, a little bit of the interactions between Pittsburgh and D.C., looking back on it, how do you feel about all that? Hey, r- real quick, Ryan, if it makes you feel any better, Will Crow might be my least favorite player in baseball. So I feel <laughs> the part about the Will Crow thing is he was the Nats' third-ranked prospect. And he was just not good at baseball. And that was just such a sign of that farm system. (laughs) Like, I remember when that trade happened, and I saw Will, like, I knew the name Will Crow. And I saw Will Crow, and I'm like, God, this sucks. And I was like, I looked at the NAS farm system, like, why didn't they get someone else? I was like, oh, okay, well, there really was nobody else. There was nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That farm was so bare when that trade happened. But I love Josh Bell. Um, I thought Josh Bell was a great guy. He played the good first base. And the funny thing about Josh Bell, as you guys know, you guys saw him, when Josh is on, his peak is unreal. Like when he's hitting and everything is clicking, the dude's great. You know, he's probably like a top seven first baseman. When he's on, he's in stride. He's hit just plugging the gaps, looking absolutely great. But then he'll just go on the streak for 30 straight games where he hits like 100. That was a funny thing about Josh Bell is the highs were so high, but man, were those lows with Josh so low. No doubt, man. And, you know, we saw it in Pittsburgh. You saw it in D.C., um, but such a likable guy, like you said. And uh, I was extremely high on Eddie Yeen. I mean, that was, I guess, kind of the headliner there along with Crow. And, uh, you know, obviously that hasn't worked out quite as well. There's still time. But, um, you know, it's uh, it's been um, – just an interesting few years for both of these clubs here. And so we kind of zoom out a little bit. Obviously, the Nationals probably not going to be competing for any kind of postseason contention this season. You look at the NL East and the makeup there. Uh, what are your thoughts overall? It has been a it's been a weird division these last few years. The Mets completely collapsing last year. The Braves, the 2021 champions. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the NL East and kind of the direction with your division? Yeah, the, the NL East is real interesting. Everyone's already in a great spot because they don't have Joey Manessas on it. You you brought him up. I, I forgot to mention him in my last answer. No, so please. I, I was going to give you the opportunity to bring it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Manessas is a bum. That's, that's all I got to say about him. But with the division, it's such an interesting time because the Braves have all of their young talent locked up. They have an island for AA where he just holds a gun to these guys' heads. And I don't know how he gets them to sign the deals that they do. That lineup's locked up for a long time. Max Freed, Spencer Strider look like the real freaking deal. Those, well, Freed's going to be a free agent soon, but that rotation's going to be a problem. So the Braves don't really look like they're going anywhere. The Mets, you know, Cohen has more money than anything, and he doesn't care what tax threshold he goes over. They have a lot of issues right now. I'm not that high on them. I do think the Mets are going to be good, but that rotation is old. And when your rotation's that old, you're going to have some issues. Verlander, Hurt, starts a year. Max, a little different situation. But the Mets are going to be a problem until they collapse every single year. The Mets are cursed. I don't know if that stadium's built on an old Indian burial ground. 
but that franchise is just absolutely cursed. The Mets fall apart every single year. The Phillies, they got a lot of question marks. They had question marks last year, and they went to the World Series, so maybe I don't know about question marks. But those three teams are kind of just sitting in a real nice position to contend for a long time. That Phillies lineup is very, very good when everyone's healthy. Reese is down. He may have played his last game with a Philly, but still, Bryce, Trey, what a combo. Imagine those two play together in D.C. Uh, those two in that lineup with Schwarber and the other guys they got, especially Brandon Marsh taking a step forward. The Phillies aren't going anywhere. The Braves aren't going anywhere. The Mets aren't going anywhere. The Marlins are kind of just in this middle ground because for some reason they don't really spend. Don't know why they don't spend. The pitching's good. The Marlins have great pitching depth, but they just refuse to invest in that lineup. So the Marlins are just in purgatory, and the Nats are just in the world's longest rebuild. So in, like, I guess a, a twisted way, it's kind of good the Nats are going through this rebuild because let those top three teams, who probably three of the top five teams in the NL, do their thing. So in five years when Nats come up, maybe those couple of those teams have fallen off? Maybe? I, I doubt they will because this division's good and they all show they want to spend and they all show they want to invest. So it kind of kind of stinks. Uh, the only another positive is there's less division games. So less time for all these teams to beat up on the Nats, which, eh, you know, anyone beating up on the Nats less is a, a win in my book. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, you said the longest rebuild in the world. Um, I, I, we're going to see how it plays out here uh, with DC, and it is going to be a long rebuild. Um, but, you know, we were talking before the episode. I think if you get a World Series ring like you guys did in 2019, you take it, you know, and you run. Um, absolutely. Whatever it takes. I, we talked about 2015 a lot on this podcast. The Pirates had one of the best teams in baseball, easily could have won the World Series that year. Easier said than done, obviously. But, um, you know, to get that ring, and uh, to now go through this, I think you take it. Um, those guys want a ring. A lot of the guys that are now in other cities and um, even guys that have retired. I think, uh, you know, you take it and you put it in your back pocket, even if this is going to be the longest rebuild in the world and the rest of the division is up the way it is right now. Top three there, unbelievable. Um, and the Braves, you know, maybe the best team in the National League, maybe the best team in baseball right now. Um, and you know what? The Marlins maybe have the smoothest player in baseball right now, too. So, you know, at least a lot of fun to follow here. As we zoom out even a little bit further, um, love just getting people's perspectives on these rule changes and kind of, you know, what is going on with this game right now. It is an ever-changing game. Some of it seems like it was a little bit of, uh, of pandering in a sense, um, as that ball was nuked. Dodgers on the board here. A former division member, Freddie Freeman, getting it done. Um, but, you know, kind of your thoughts on all of this is I think it's obviously been well received so far. It's right. It's 8.07 Central Time right now, uh, 9.07 in the East, and this game's in the eighth inning. We've seen, you know, increased uh, – or not increased. We've seen much shorter games, and it's been, it's been excellent so far. Uh, we've seen more steals. We've seen an uptick in um, the things that make this game fun, more base hits, all of that. What are your thoughts on, on everything going on right now? We've – so we, we've talked about this on on Hatchery High Heat quite a lot. One of our co-hosts is kind of a baseball purist. Anytime there's any change whatsoever, she just hates it. She's so against it. But one thing we all agree on, Rob, Rob Manfred was kind of in his bag with these rule changes. And I don't say that often because Rob Manfred's you know, 
<laughs> we all follow baseball. He's not the best. I like these rule changes. I think the pitch clock, absolutely fantastic. You know, turning on MLB TV, watching a good West Coast game, it ends at like 12.15 East Coast time now, so like 1.15, 1.30. That's absolutely fantastic. Pitch clock, they just eliminated, you know, the 20, 30 minutes a game or guys are standing around doing nothing. I've been to two games for the Nats this year. Couldn't really tell, to be honest with you. Like, you don't really notice it even when you're there. Because I was a little worried, like, well, what if I go? And then, you know, it just feels rushed and I'm home a lot quicker than I think. I haven't noticed at all. Huge, huge fan of the pitch clock. Don't think they need it for playoffs, but regular season baseball absolutely needs it. And limiting the shift, another rule change, absolutely in favor for. Singles are back. You know, singles were gone. Baseball is basically just a three-outcome sport. But now we got singles again. BABIP is up. More happy, especially with the singles. All the Nats do is hit a slow ground ball that gets through first and second. So they can get hits now. So that's pretty exciting. Absolutely love that. Bigger bases, I never really cared for. But steals are way up. And that's more exciting just because it's more action. It's more things happening and different results that we weren't really having a lot in the last couple of years. So I'm a pretty big fan of every single rule change we've gotten so far which is kind of rare just because I feel like with Major League Baseball, they do the opposite of what you want them to do, and a lot of times they do the opposite of what makes sense. But I think they're in their bag for all these rule changes, and so far it's been 22, 23 games. I think they've been pretty positive. Yeah, no doubt. Um, no doubt. Maybe I'm crazy, but the base is obviously bigger. I didn't think it would lead to this many more steals, uh, but we'll take it. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> It's uh yeah it's 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 been fun it's been really fun, um I still haven't been to a game this season but that's good to hear I'm glad it doesn't feel rushed that's the one thing you worry about you know you want to sit down and enjoy it, um I know the the beer rules have been moved around all over the place so uh, that might not be um the highest uh, of highs <laughs> but um you know it, it is good for baseball here uh, as as we begin to wrap it up um. Pirates going to be in D.C. this weekend. One of my favorite cities in America. Such a cool place. Not only to see a baseball game, but just to be. What's the top monument in Washington, D.C.? What is uh, what is maybe even your top three here? What do we got? Oh, man, that's a good question. So I, I live in the city. Love, love the monuments. If you guys are ever in the city, go to them at night. They're prettier. Heck of a lot less crowded, which is good. The views look a lot better. Big, big fan of the Tidal Basin. I don't know if you really call that monument, but I do. Walking around the Tidal Basin is just so pretty because you get the Jefferson. You can see the Washington Monument. You got great views of the city. Ronald Reagan Airport's right there, so you can be right by the water, laying down with your friends, enjoying a nice little picnic, and you can see the planes coming in. Absolutely fantastic. And then also the Lincoln. Big Big fan of the Lincoln Memorial. It's right on the reflecting pond, which is pretty cool. You can sit up on the steps. You get great views of the World War II Memorial, the Korean War Memorial. That's all around you. And it's just really, really pretty to see. You can see a lot, a lot of history that's there, which is also very, very cool to see. A lot of big things happen on those steps. It's pretty cool. You can be with like, you know, be with some American history. Big fan of that. And also a little bit, little bit of a uh, sleeper pick here. 
Not a lot of people go to it. It's a little, it's a little sadder. But the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is very, very cool and a little surreal. They do a ceremony when they do the changing of the guard that I think everyone who comes to the city should see. So a lot of people don't think about Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. It's a little, it's a little sadder. But seeing the ceremony and the respects they pay to everything, it's pretty cool. And I always recommend it to whenever my family or ever people come in town. And that's might be a hot take for three, but I'm I'm sticking with those for my top three. But yeah, I mean, they pick you apart if you uh, if you make any kind of noise at the two in the end soldier, right? Like it's a pretty <laughs> pretty strict uh, deal there. Yeah. Yeah, you got you gotta be pretty quiet on that one. Yeah. Well, it's uh, for all Pirates fans that are going to be going this week and going to check it out. Um, be sure to check out all this. I like that. Uh, that is a sleeper pick, but that's a good one there at three. Um, I kind of got a sleeper. Too. I think the Jefferson Monument might be my favorite in D.C. It's uh, great, you know, a great less, monument. A little less visited right on the water there, too. For, for now, it's that that part where the Jefferson Monument is, is sinking. So they're trying to like desperately save it. So go go to Jefferson now before it, it fully sinks. Oh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> go check it out while you can. Murray, what do you got? You ever been to D.C.? Yeah, actually, last time I was at, last time I was in D.C., excuse me, um, I mean, this bull, oh, goodness, is a while ago, because I was a senior in college. Uh, it was when I was student teaching, the school I student taught at does a senior trip to Washington, D.C. every year, and my co-op teacher was always one of the chaperones, so I got to tag along. So, I mean, albeit this was 10 years ago now that I was there, but um, my my lasting memory, I, the Holocaust Museum, I'm, I'm someone who... Um, I mean, people listen to the show frequently. You guys know I'm a teacher, but I also I was a dual major between education and history. So love history with like World War II through the Cold War kind of being my jam. Uh, the Holocaust Museum is just it, it's surreal. Um, it's it's unbelievable in so many ways. The Room of Shoes. Um, just if you walk through there and don't have some sort of combination of like chills well, being sick to your stomach, I, I really don't know what to say. But um, so I love that. Um, I, the, the Aerospace Museum is pretty cool, too. Um, and I also remember the Aerospace Museum. Um, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to mention names here, but the school I student taught at uh, the gym teacher who was with us, who is now the head football coach there. Um, as we were going through the metal detectors walking in, he had a can of Copenhagen in his back pocket to set off the metal detector and he nearly got a group of us thrown out of there for it. But, um, so that's always a fun, a fun DC museum story. I like to tell. I think everybody deserves a little buzz at the, uh, the good old Smithsonian. <laughs> yeah. Is that, uh, can, can you go for free? Uh, yeah. All the Smithsonian museums are for free. Always recommend trying them out. It's a very, very cool benefit and perk. Because most places, you got to pay for them. So always head to Smithsonian Museums on the mall. They're very, very great. Yeah, it's been a crazy few years for a lot of reasons. Uh, both of our teams have had a lot of losing. But I can go to bed um, you know, pretty comfortably tonight knowing that uh, those museums are still free. It is going to be a fun series here. Um, I also want to know, while we're on the DC talk, does the Cherry Blossom Festival live up to the hype? All the Cherry Blossom stuff. Here, here's the thing. All right, Whenever the Cherry Blossom stuff happens, it's the most annoying time in the city because so many tourists from all over the world come to it. It makes traffic a nightmare. But I got to say, 
Peak Bloom is beautiful. Like it is, it it really is so pretty. Down down on the water is where all the tourists go, but there are better places in the city to see cherry blossoms. So it is pretty cool seeing them. And I will say, Peak Peak Bloom does indeed live up to the hype. Well, we got our City Connect jerseys coming out on June the twenty seventh. You guys already have yours out. I I like the theme. How'd you feel about those? Uh, I knew they were gonna go. I knew they were gonna go with the cherry blossoms. I was wondering which way they were gonna go with it. And honestly, I'm glad they went with the gray. I think they're. I think they're so sweet. <laughs> I I took off work. I set a doctor's appointment, and I just went down to the stadium and just bought a ton of stuff when they went on sale. And someone like pushed me out of the way to get to a jersey when everything in the store was City Connect themed. I was like, all right, let's let's relax there. It's everything here is that. I'm a big fan of them. I think they came out really, really nice. Very happy they didn't go pink because the other DC teams have done pink cherry blossoms. And they just they don't look good. Yeah, it's too much, especially for game of baseball. You want it to be a little bit more classy. Um, I think they killed it. I think you're spot on. Um, and, you know, credits to you, man. Taking off a day of work for it. Might have to do the same uh, later this <laughs> June. Um, but, you know, as we begin to wrap it up here, Ryan, always want to give our, our guests a chance to kind of highlight anything going on. You are a member of our fan-sided network uh, here as well. Um, you know, just shed a little bit of light on uh, on what you guys do over at the Half Street High Heat podcast and, uh, you know, kind of what you got going on um, with District on Deck, everything else. Yeah, so we are part of the fan-sided network. Half Street High Heat, we do – not as many articles as we used to, but we have a YouTube channel. Really recommend you guys checking out under the same name. Um, we're putting series previews on YouTube. We're doing just a bunch of different cool videos on YouTube. We do our podcast, Half Street High Heat, once a week. We recap the week in baseball. We get interviews on there, recap the games, the good, bad, ugly, a lot of ugly for this team, and just talk all things Nats. And then District on Deck is where we have multiple articles coming out every single day we cover every single side of the Nats we do game previews we do game recaps stuff coming out during the games then we got articles covering certain aspects of the game player stories team stories head coaching news on the sale because there's a lot of that going on right now district district on deck every day we got a bunch of stuff going on and also with half street high heat we do a lot of post-game spaces Spaces are weird right now, but we do a lot of hangouts, talk to people, get a lot of immediate reaction about the games. So we got everything going on over there. We cover all aspects of it. And if you guys want to know what's going on with the Nats and keeping up with this rebuild, highly encourage going over and checking it out. Yeah, awesome stuff, man. Go check it out. Uh, I love the Twitter name. We are all Shaq. Go follow Ryan on Twitter as well. Go check out uh, all those guys on Twitter. While you're at it, um, Marty, anything else uh, you want to bring up here before we get out? No, I don't think so. I think we covered things pretty well. And, uh, yeah, I think that's that. All right. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for uh, for coming on tonight, previewing this series. And, um, hey, you know what? 2019, you know better than us. The Nationals did not get off to the best start in the world. They were world champions that year. So maybe, uh, maybe next time we talk, <laughs> you guys will be – you know, running the NL East here and um, things are going to be looking up. But uh, thanks, man. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me on, having me on guys. And uh, best of luck this weekend. Great talking to you. Great interview there with our guy, Shaq. Appreciate him joining the podcast and, uh, you know, sharing some insight on the Nationals. They, um, they're they going through a rebuild, obviously, of their own. Accelerated 
by the deals that they made. And, uh, you know, hey, Marty, Juan Soto has not uh, had a great tenure here in D- in uh, San Diego, rather. So um, they're feeling better and better about some of those moves they made. Obviously, Pirates going to look to take advantage of a team that is struggling, one of the worst teams in the National League this weekend. Uh, and, you know, as we begin to close it out here, got to direct you guys again to rumbuncher.com. Go check out Marty's work, Nick Caparoso, our other co-host, and our, uh, our amazing cast of, of writers. All kinds of stuff out right now, so go check that out. Uh, but, Marty, as we wrap it up here, anything else you want to get into and, um, you know, any articles you want to preview for the week? No, I mean, I will say just real quick, keep with the Nationals. Um, whenever there were a lot of trade talks with the Pirates, with the Los Angeles Dodgers, rather it was Brian Reynolds or, um, you know, a certain former left-handed reliever whose name we will not mention. Um, Kyber Ruiz, man, he was the guy I wanted. And it seems like the Nats got a good one in their hands with Ruiz. Really good catcher, really good building block. Josiah Gray, another guy I really wanted at the time. So, I mean, I think the Nats got some good pieces in some of those trades. And I'm sure any National fans, too, will tell you um, – you know, and I know we mentioned this earlier with Shaq, but I, I'm sure they would gladly trade a couple years of struggling for that real nice shiny World Series ring. I know I certainly would. But uh, no, as for all of you coming up this week, uh, Noah, really good piece up on Run Butter earlier today on Thursday about Colin Holderman, um, something, an adjustment he could make to uh, maybe, I don't want to say be more successful because he's been pretty good this year outside of one outing, but uh, excuse me, maybe help him avoid those type of outings in the future. Other than that, we'll have our usual, you know, uh, at some point here on Thursday, uh, we'll have our our, our Dodgers series recap up, um, continue our minor league coverage, and yeah, just kind of dive into, probably have some things on who might be next on the extension talk. Because I mean, if you, if you listen to Bob Nutting's meeting with the media on Wednesday during that press conference, it certainly sounds like he's open to more than just Brian Reynolds. So uh, yeah, just stay tuned. It's, it's going to be a fun time. You know, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you, you act like you're a contender until you're not anymore. And as of now, this is a contending baseball club. So uh, fun times in Pirates world. Just stay tuned to Run Bunner. We're going to enjoy every second of it with you. We are. We are. And, and with the Bob Nutting deal, strike while the iron is hot. He's feeling great. Everybody was gassing him up yesterday, earlier this week. Um, guys, let, let's see some more of this while we, uh, while we got him. But, um, yeah, Marty, go check all that stuff out. Great stuff coming up on the website this week. Great stuff with Shaq. Thanks to him. For joining us tonight, uh, but the Pittsburgh Pirates look to keep it rolling into the weekend. DC is up next. We're going to be back next week to break it all down. Preview what's coming up after that. And um, yeah, guys, until next time, for Marty Leap, my name is Trianity. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Rum Bunker Radio. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.